Okay. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Hi, everybody. Today is Saturday, the 25th of March, 2023. Welcome to the Scottsdale Big Book Study, where we will study the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. My name is Maria F. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Ireland, and I'll be your host for today's study. Our co-hosts today are Veronica C. and Sue L. If you have any questions during the meeting or any concerns, please contact either myself or any of the co-hosts, and you can do this by private message in the chat function. Please note that the we don't have a speaker today. We actually have two speakers. We don't have Harlan G here today. We have Johan N and we have Audrey N and they will both be recorded. However, the Q&A session which follows, that won't be recorded. We ask if you could please keep your microphones on mute at all times during today's meeting. And also please turn off your video if you're exercising or eating, or if you need to step away from the screen for any reason at all. During the meeting, we will post the link to the seventh edition and that money goes towards the cost of our Zoom account, the cost of uploading our recordings. And we also send contributions to the intergroup and to the World Service Office. And we'll post a link to the previous week's recording in the chat function. But now we're going to turn the meeting over to Har to Harley Jean on today. <laughs> Audrey Hen. Hi, Audrey. Oh my God. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Maria. And anybody that's just joined, Harlan is on a um he's doing a speaking uh meeting today and he's asked um for speakers to be here so myself and johan will be sharing our experience strength and hope so my name is Audrienne. i'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater from dublin living in county mead in ireland and so grateful to be able to um yeah to be here and to share my experience strength and hope so to qualify to come into this program, I am the real deal of a compulsive overeater. Um, I have got up to four hundred pounds in my roughly, um, last time I weighed, um, when I was in my size. But to go back, I have always remembered that I used food for ease and comfort. I always felt as a child just that, like a nervous, anxious child, always worrying, um, always. If adults would be speaking, I would always think that there was something bad happening. Um, and somewhere along the way, I found that food gave me an ease and comfort around those feelings. Um, when I was seven, I made my first Holy Communion and my dress had to be let out by the local seamstress. Um, and that would have been the first kind of visible sign that the weight, my weight had doubled uh, within that year. My grandmother made my clothes. Um, you know, I wasn't the same as the, my peers, you know, um, people were, you know, my age were all part of the local football and everything else. And um, for me, that wasn't, I was, that wasn't my story. Um, so all through my teenage years, you know, I remember just, yes, I just always remember that I was, oh God, when I look at it now, it's the self-seeking I would be in, you know, looking for that attention. Um, and always felt that um, there was just something missing. You know, I didn't know what it was. I could never figure it out. Um, and that went right up through my teenage years. You know, everybody would go, we'd be going to the discos and everybody else would be dancing on the floor and getting asked up on dates. And, you know, I'd be just sitting, you know, like sitting on the seat. Um, I remember we used to go ice skating and they used to call me the barrier guide because I used to just literally <laughs> stand on the barrier, you know, um, 
So I always remember that there was a sweet shop there. So I loved going. So there was never a problem of not going or isolating out of life. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I didn't pay sports in school. Um, and I, when I look back at it now, I was so fixated with, like, the obsession was always there, you know. Um, and I don't know whether it's the change of time, but when I look back at photographs, I really wasn't that big in the sense of when I was a teenager. And, um, you know, my weight really, really got, um, my weight really became a huge issue as I got into my adulthood. So, um, yeah, the ease and comfort was the reminder, you know. So when I hung around with people, it was always who had the best snacks in their house. You know, it was always who had, you know, um, a free for all sweets and unlimited amount of food. Um, and even though in my house, you know, my mom, you know, she tried to, you know, monitor what I ate. And, you know, when I was in primary school, which probably was about 11, I was brought to a dietitian, you know, and I remember sitting on the bus, you know, and I remember my mom being so agitated because she was like, I'm getting on the bus and I'm bringing you in here every week. And she could see that I wasn't losing weight, you know, she could see that I was you know, still um, not losing anything. And I'd sit there and they'd say, you know, and you know, I'd say, I'm, make, I'm making the dinner, you know, I'm making the food, I don't know. But she didn't know that I was so deceitful. Like She didn't know that, you know, I was getting food wherever I, you know, wherever I could, you know. And that would be, I remember even, I was so deceitful one time. I remember you used to say to this girl that I went to school with, like, I, love, I have no key to get in at lunchtime, but I could go to her house you know, and that I could have something nicer that was in my house. Um, so I done the geographical. I moved to America when I was 21 and stayed there for three and a half years. And my weight just, oh, it just, you know, it, I remember my parents coming to visit me. And I remember opening the door and I could see the look on their face. You know, I could see the look um, that they, you know, they were in shock at the weight I had put on. Um, and over that time, you know, for me, I was I was away from everybody and I was away from home and away from my friends. And it was easy. It was easy just to get the ease and comfort, you know, and it was the party life that was eating, it was drinking, it was all of that stuff. Um, but I was dying, you know, I was absolutely dying inside. I could not. I just couldn't. Um, there was that feeling of just not settling, you know, Um, I always felt that. You know, if I if I if I lose the weight, everything will be better. You know, life will be so much better. Um, if I lose the weight, because I, I put my validation on my body. You know, I put my validation on my appearance. So, um, if I lose the weight, then you know I'll get the attention off guys. If I lose the weight, I'll probably get a better job. You know, all of that stuff. Um, and then my sister decided to get married. Um, which meant I had to come home and be bridesmaid. So. I went to a pain way, one of many, because I've tried them all. And I went to a pain way and I lost eight stone, I'd say. So I don't know what that is. Um, probably 70, 70 pounds, is it? Um, so I was, you know, happy to come home and wear the bridesmaid dress and um, just do what I had to do. Came home for a few days um, or a week and, you know, um, moved back. And when it was time to move back to Ireland, I made sure that I was at what I, you know, thought was an ideal body weight. And things were fine for a while, but life became lifey again, you know. And I wasn't able to maintain 
the pain where I wasn't able to maintain that. Um, and I've, I've lost, you know, I've lost many stones and weight all over my 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 life, um, but I could never keep it off, you know. So, um, and I've tried everything. I've done the laxatives, I've done the intermittent fasting, you name it, I've done it, you know, absolutely every single thing. I was like a magpie and, you know, a Monday morning, a leaflet would come in the door and I'd be like, oh, 70% off this new diet. And I'd be like, this is going to work, you know. Um, and then I thought I was going to be just one of the statistics that just could never lose weight. I was just going to be one of those people, you know, that whatever it was, I just wasn't going to be able to lose weight. And, you know, I never had high cholesterol, you know, and it was like, you know, it was like scoring coming out of the doctors when she'd say, no, your cholesterol is normal. And it was like I was at this huge body weight and it was like I was after winning the lottery because I hadn't got anything, you know, um, but it was going to catch up with me. You know, it was all going to catch up with me. Um, and the thing about the, the you know, the, the, the how I get here is like I could talk for hours about, you know, the the disease and where it got me. And, you know, basically I existed in life until I found this program. I just existed. Um, I isolated. I couldn't go to parties. If I did, I, I left. You know, I've often been sitting there and they, you know, text me, where are you gone? And I'd be gone home. I just couldn't sit, you know, couldn't sit. So, um, you know, the grace of God, I know it's not, um, it wasn't great for everybody, but when the pandemic hit, you know, um, and I was like, I had been in program a few years before that, but when I look at it now, I wasn't fully abstinent and I wasn't really doing programs. So I, I say I came in and March 2020 and I was sitting in the Zoom meetings and I could hear people and I could hear the recovery. I could see people, you know, and I was full of resentment, you know. Oh, why are they making it so difficult? What are they talking about? Phone meetings and ring people and, gee, you have to just keep it so simple, you know. But that was simple life. I was catastrophizing everything. I was making it all hard. So, you know, I sat in the meetings from March till July and I tried to just do three meals a day, you know, and I just couldn't. I was, you know, I was not nice to live with, you know. Um, I'd go from, you know, I could see the kids coming out of school looking at me going, oh, what way is she today? You know, because I could be, you know, having a good day of like um, just having whatever foods or I could be literally sitting in the car waiting to collect them, counting how many have I left, how many sins have I left, how many coins have I left, how many food have I left, just that madness that would be um, with the food plans I was doing. Um, so yeah, finally I stood and my my kids were going on an overnight with their dad and I was after get, picking up some fields and I was standing in the shop ready to pay for them and I remember thinking, I am just not going to be able to manage one of these each, you know. So I put them back and that was the first connection I had with the feelings and emotion, my emotion of loneliness, um, that they were gone for the night, my emotion that I wasn't in control of their life, um, and. I rang, I rang a fellow that night and I said, look, I can't do this, you know, can't do it anymore, you know, I need, and she said, okay, um, here's a few numbers, ring somebody, and I found a sponsor, and when I kid you not, I walked those steps, um, because I knew that this was a life, you know, it was a life or death decision for me, I had got up to, you know, at that point, you know, I was probably after losing, you know, a couple of stone, but um, when I came back into relapse, you know, I don't even think it was relapsed because I don't think I'd recovered the first time. But when I came back into the room, 
um, you know, I couldn't even function. Like I couldn't walk. I couldn't, you know, if I was walking in the shopping center, like I'd have to have a trolley to push. If the kids wanted to push the trolley, I'd be like, no, because I've nothing to lean on. Um, so when I got a sponsor, I was like, yes, I have to just do whatever I have to do here. So I worked steps, you know, and I worked them and I still work them, you know, and I work them because, you know, they're the first thing that I have to do with this program. It, becomes, it comes before everybody else. And, you know, I've heard people saying, even before your children, I'm like, absolutely. Because if I'm not recovered, they don't have a mom. You know, they do not have me because I'm not able to be present and I'm not able to parent. Um, and they're well aware of that and they're glad of it because now they know that they have a recovered man who is able to, you know, dance with them, chase them. Um, I Now I'm giving out to them if they don't push the trolley for me, you know, because I'm like, I don't need to push it anymore. Um, so, yeah, my program is very simple. You know, if I have a higher power, you know, I had to find a connection with something that was bigger than me because, my life was unmanageable and I was trying to run the show, you know, um, I was full of self-seeking, you know, um, and I shared this the other day to me and it's like, I always get the analogy mixed up, but it's like the fish that's in the, the, the bowl and doesn't know it's in water, you know, and I didn't realize I was in that self-seeking because that's all I was used to, you know, that's all I was used to was self-seeking, selfishness, and I always thought selfishness was like doing you know, taking something that wasn't yours or taking too much. And when I really look into the defects, you know, when I'm trying, trying to play director or when I'm looking to, you know, well, wait, and I tell you about my story, you know, wait and you hear how bad my life was, um, you know, all of that self-seeking. And I don't need that anymore. I don't need someone else to validate my um, my life around, you know, the, the unmanageability. I was the type of person that, like, the bills would come in and I'd just be like, oh, not today, you know. I just ignore them, you know. I couldn't even pay a bill. Um, and today, like I, I own a house. I have a car. You know, I'm going on holidays next week. I've been on holidays. I'm living. This program has given me a design for living that is just unbelievable. Um, I've been away more times in the last two and a half years in recovery than I've been away all my life, and that's no word of a lie. Um, because when I when I live today, you know, my higher power is in control. Um, I get up in the morning and I pray to something that's bigger than me, you know, and I say, God, give me the next right thought or action here. Um, and the emotional sobriety for me has been, a, it, it, it's been very new. Um, and the thing is, is that I don't allow, I don't allow things come in and derail me, you know. So in the past, if, you know, one of the kids was sick, you know, it'd be like, oh, that's it, give up everything, cancel the holiday next week, you know, bring in sick to work for a week. I just have to be in this space because I could not do anything else where it's like, you know, my daughter wasn't well the other day and she came to me and it was just, yeah, we had an open conversation and I was like, things are going to be okay. You know, I didn't have to get into that whole craziness of um, the mad head that I would be in before and ringing everybody. Now ringing everybody and telling them the drama, you know, waiting to tell you what's going on in this house and how I have to deal with it, you know. Um, and when I keep the program so close to me, you know, um, I have to do outreach calls, you know, I have to get out of my head, you know, um, I have to do I have to be there for other people, you know, so I have to bring people through the book. And I keep saying to my sponsors, you know, 
you know, I had a sponsee and she was saying, oh, I'm going away and what if, and I just keep saying, you know, just keep it, keep it in today. What are you doing today? You know, just do what you're doing today. And when we're mindfulness and keeping everything in the day, you know, that's that emotional sobriety, you know, um, because I don't know if anybody ever heard of the, the program Quantum Leap. When I'm in disease, that's what I think I do. I think I can go into the future. I can go back into the past, you know, and I'm just constantly living in that. Um, and when I'm in recovery, I'm just in today. What can I do today to stay well? Um, I can't stay well today on yesterday's food plan or yesterday's outreach call or yesterday's meeting. You know, I have to do it all again today. Um, I currently have, a, you know, a weight loss of 154 pounds I think um and still working each day towards you know my GP's ideal body weight that you know whatever that's supposed to be for me that's between the GP higher power I don't get involved in that I just follow you know dignity of choice and I remember my my weight was plateauing and I rang a member and I said you know my food plan is blah 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 and my weight is fat down and they were like would you try you know would you would you weigh a measure for a month and I was kind of like and that yeah yeah grand you know and I rang another fellow and uh, they said you know do you ever see the dignity of choices the way and measure and I was kind of like yeah and then when I rang the tourist person and they said the same I was like okay higher power I get it you know my higher power has a great sense of humor and I was like right okay I get it and like that was not just a month ago that was a long time ago it was a good few months ago and um things did shift and the head was much clearer you know because it's the disease will keep telling me you know um, like when it says a piece of fruit, like that's a melon to me, you know, because that's my disease. It's not just like six ounces, it's a melon, you know. Um, so I'm just grateful today that I have this program, you know, every Saturday evening, you know, every Saturday evening I get up into this room and this is like, you know, it's my time with people that get me, you know. I could, you know, I could sit down and go to Dublin where I'm from and sit with my friends for hours and they just will not have a clue you know, where my head is getting me, but you, you know, everybody here does, you know, and it's, it's a fellowship, you know, Um, I went to the, the LA Bertie party in January, and just to see people face to face, you know, people that you just see on meetings, but like, just the warmthness and the belonging that, you know, you get from it, um, and, you know, it's never about the food now, you know, it's never about the food for me now. Um, what it's about is, is that I can't manage life. You know, my life is unmanageable. Um, and when a build up of human emotions comes, um, I was using ease and comfort. I was using food. So the doctor's opinion tells us that, you know, when we're looking for ease and comfort, ease and comfort, um, you know, and it says restless, irritable and discontent. Very polite doctor, you know, because I tell you, I have different words for restless, irritable and discontent. You know, that's a very polite way. You know, I was like a crazy, you know, serpent out of hell when I was looking for that. Um, and then it says drinking, you know, friends can drink with impunity, you know. So I can sit with my friends. Now I'm going away next week and the travers will be on holidays and they can eat, drink and do whatever they want, you know, and they don't have this disease you know and um, it doesn't affect them you know and that's okay you know but I'll have my food plan and I'll be drinking my water and that's exactly the only way I want to be you know I only want to be in recovery Um, I have no wishes to be anywhere else Um, but you know 
enjoying the sun and having the ear pods in and being able to listen to meetings and be able to get out in my own way. Um, I was in the LA birthday party, 800 people, and I still had to go up to my room and do outreach, you know, because I have to do service. Um, I have to be of service to people in this program. Um, and I always remember, you know, people saying, when you're in the field, you never imagine being out of it. You know, so if any newcomers are here or people returning or anything like that, it's, you know, people say one day at a time. I say one minute, whatever it means for you to stay um, in the program. If it's one minute, if it's one meal, um, just do whatever is needed. You know, I just say get a sponsor. Um, um, yeah, the main thing for me is I have a sponsor and I have sponsors. You know, the step one was, you know, admitting that I was powerless. Uh, it was hard, but I had to admit it, you know. Um, and then all the way through the steps, like every day, you know, I have to do a 10th step. I'm on the 10th step train. I have to pray and meditate, you know, to take time out to listen to my higher power. You know, I can't get up in the morning and just walk out onto that landing without connecting. Because I tell you, I won't go down the stairs and I'm fighting with somebody, you know, because that's where my disease brings me to. I try and control everybody. I'll want them up out of bed and make their bed. I used to say to the kids, why can't you make your bed? And they'd be like, you want the bed made. I don't, <laughs> you know, and it is. I want the beds made, you know. They don't give a shit if it's made or not, you know. So I just close their doors now. I literally just close the doors and I say, you do you, you know. Um, I always had to have everything perfect because I thought that that's how people was, you know, if I had a clean house and, you know, there's no doubt in the sink and there's a lovely candlelight that people would think, you know, that I have it all sorted, you know, but that wasn't, it wasn't, it did not define who I was, you know, um, and I used to always have that, you know, feeling of like inferiority, you know, people were of a different class or status or, you know, and I've done a lot of 10 steps around it, you know, and, you know, different things came up and it's been said to me, you know, remember, you know, people can't, you know, mix up your humility with poverty, you know, and I, I'm so grateful of that, you know, that because I have humility, you know, it doesn't mean I'm any less than anybody else, you know, I may not go around and, you know, be shown it off, um, but I'm happy in myself today, um, a lot of work. A lot of work still has to be done and going away and what are we Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, four days. I'll want to get on the scales every day until then because my disease will tell me that that's what I need to do. My higher power will tell me that's my business, not yours. Um, it's not the time that you get weighed, that I weigh once a month. It's not the time for you to weigh, stay off the scales. Um, and things do crop up. They do come up, you know. It says in the book, we don't live like, you know, um, I'm not a spiritual guru and like, you know, flying around and everything is great. You know, there's days where it's a shit show. Absolutely. You know, but the thing is, I stay close to my higher power, you know. Um, so that's what I have to do. That's what I have to do every single day, you know. And I just I had an argument with the kids earlier. My son came to me he was like you were having an argument with, you know, my sister and you took it out on me. And I was like, absolutely. I did, and I apologize for that. And I, you know, and I can go back and say I'm sorry. You know, before I couldn't, I'd hold that grudge and I'd be saying, no, it wasn't me, that was you. And you started it and you made me react. And, you know, um, so not only am I able to apologize and make those amends, you know, the living amends 
um, for me, you know, the step eight and nine was huge. You know, step four was great. I had no problem putting the people on the list. You know, real simple. I know who annoys me. So that took no time. Um, the fourth column took me a little bit longer, but I got through it, you know, and I was grateful that I was able to see that, you know, my part had a huge part of it. Um, but the eight and nine, you know, I just felt like there was a real understanding of this program when I came came to eight and nine, you know. Thanks, Maria. You know, to sit in a room with my kids, my kids' father who were separated 10 years and to be able to make amends for my part was the miracle of this program. To be able to co-parent with somebody now and not try and um not try and get them to do what I expected. Not for me to think he should be the dad I want him to be, you know. And I always thought, you know, we have to, the kids have to have a relationship with him. And, you know, I just stay out of all of that. You know, I just stay out of it all. Um, everybody has their own higher power. I'm not it. You know, I'm not their higher power. Um, so for me, it's open the morning, pray and meditate, you know, to a God, a higher power, whatever that is of your understanding. It's not you. So just it can be anything else, you know, um, because, you know, we've tried, we've tried to do it all. And, we, you know, we didn't, we didn't succeed. Um, I do outreach calls, you know, I sponsor. Um, I have sponsees and I also have a sponsor. Um, I have a home group. I do service there. Um, I jump on to meetings, you know, a teenager. So if they don't want to talk to me and I have free time, I'll jump on to a meeting. Um, I go on holidays. I live happy, joyous and free all because I'm not in the driver's seat. Um, some days I try and get in, you know, but higher power will remind me to, you know, remember that um, he's the guiding force behind this for me. Um, and I am just so grateful to be able to do service at this meeting. Um, you know, I find that having the fellowship and having, you know, familiar faces and having people that, you know, we can outreach to and people that get us, you know, and I'm just so grateful that I'm not alone in this. Um, so if there is any newcomers, you're the most important people on this meeting. You are. Um, so I'll just keep coming back, you know, and reach out and nobody um, needs to do this alone. So Maria, thanks for time with me. And with that, I pass. God, thanks so much, Audrey. That was absolutely powerful. And recovery is just shining through you, Audrey, just shining through you. You know, you're just yeah, carrying the message here to us today. So thanks so much, Audrey. Great, great. I could listen to you all night, Audrey. So over to Johan N in Sweden. Hiya, Johan. Just oh, wait now. We give, I'm just going to do this. Wait now. If you just want to mute yourself, Johan. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much, Audrey. That was fantastic. <laughs> I don't want to go on after that. That's, uh, <laughs> I thank you so much. Oh, really, really nice to hear you, hear your story and, uh, you know, your strong recovery and one day at a time. And uh, yeah, and great to be here today. Uh, my name is uh, Johan. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and I live in small city in Sweden called Falun. It's a bit uh, north inland from Stockholm, about three hours from Stockholm. 
I am from Stockholm, from beginning though, um, but I've been living here since uh, 2013. Uh, yeah, nice to be here and uh, sharing my experience, strength, and hope. And uh, yeah, I love this meeting. I'm here almost every Saturday with my kids. This is a hugely inconvenient meeting for me. <laughs> it's uh, it's right in family time Saturdays, but you know I I choose to include my family in this meeting, so my kids are here as they are running around while I'm 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 doing my best to, to be in the meeting. So I, I love this meeting, and and the people here as well. So it's so nice to see you all. And uh, yeah, and uh, I have multiple addictions and. On some meetings where I go, some people sometimes say that, you know, credits don't transfer. And I learned that, uh, I, I really learned that. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> that's more, that's that's how, how we learn things, I think, in these rooms. We learn it the hard way, everything. <laughs> uh, but I um, I grew up in a, I'm, I'm gonna try to be, to keep my story uh, kind of short as well to, to get into the solution and, and talk about that because I think that's the most important but just to uh, identify in as well and you know uh, maybe my story can help somebody um I grew up in a home of alcoholics my father alcoholic my stepmother alcoholic and uh, as a kid I felt very disconnected I felt unloved I felt isolated I felt alone um, and uh, at a young age, I, I found food uh, as a comfort. It, it always helped me. Uh, it, it made me feel okay. Uh, okay with other people, okay in the world. Uh, as long as I had something uh, to snack on, so something to eat. And um, uh, I think food in my young years also saved my life. Uh, um, at a young age, I was uh, I was contemplating uh, suicide. I did an attempt when I was very young, before I was a teenager. You know, I, I cried for help, but you know it, that could have been gone terribly wrong. And uh, but I had the food, and and I didn't have have to try that again because I could always turn to food. You know, um, as a teenager, I. I also, um, I got into alcohol and drugs. And for some years uh, as a teenager and up to my early twenties, the food was kind of quiet. Um, I was so focused on alcohol and drugs and partying and all that, that and it had such a huge effect. Uh, so, I, uh, I, I could say I traded food for alcohol and drugs for a while. In my early 20s, food came back as well. So I, I was addicted to you know, alcohol and drugs and food. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I started my own company when I was in my early 20s, 20, 21. And, uh, also there, I decided to move abroad and I, I lived in Southern Europe for about uh, uh, 13, 14 years. Um, 
It's my kid screaming in the background. I don't know if he's ever. <laughs> um, and uh, during that time, um, you know, food, food and alcohol and drugs um, has always been my solution. It's been the, the solution for the problem that I had inside myself, not being able to cope with things and uh, not being able to, to live within my own skin. I could always turn to food and, and all other things, you know, to just, just, uh, just uh, feel okay. And uh, in my early 20s, moving, moving abroad, having my own company, having employees, living on the top of the world, like Bill says in, in his, uh, his story, you know, I had arrived. That was exactly like I felt, being down Southern Europe, you know, first living in Nice on the French Riviera, and then living in Barcelona in Spain, uh, having my own company, making tons of money. And at the same time, you know, uh, just living in this progressive disease. And year by year, it just, you know, got worse and worse. I, I got bigger and bigger. I got more and more addicted. You know, I got, um, I got to be a daily user of all these things. And uh, after, after, 10 years, after 10 years in Barcelona, it all just collapsed like, like, uh, like a house of cards, it's just, uh, I I um I got very very sick and uh, I uh, I got into the hospital in Barcelona and uh, I had um, uh, multi organ failure. Uh, I was in a coma for uh, three months, and uh, the doctors told my family and my friends to come down to Barcelona to say goodbye to me in the hospital because I was gonna die. It gave me a 10 to 15% chance uh, of surviving. Um, and, uh, and they came down, my friends and my family. My, my mother stayed there for four months during the whole period I was sick. Um, but, you know, like uh, luckily or by God's grace, I, I, I did get better. And after three months in coma, the, and I, I, I got up to uh, coma. And uh, uh, after another month in the hospital, I was moved to Sweden and I was in, in Swedish hospitals for another five months. So I had nine months in hospitals. Um, and coming out from the hospital, you know, I had, I had nothing. I, I was in a wheelchair. I, uh, uh, I didn't have anywhere to live. I didn't have a company. I didn't have any money. Uh, I had my family around me, luckily. So, so that was uh, uh, that 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 really saved me. My my mother, uh, she she has really done you know, a lot for me in that sense. So I had to start from the beginning, really, and I got sober. Um, I got sober. I got into fellowship. And I did the work. I worked through the steps, got a sponsor, and I got sober. And, you know, coming out from the hospital, I was also thin for first time in many, many, many years. Uh, because when I was in a coma, uh, I was put on intravenous food. So I lost uh, 100 pounds in the hospital. 
So I came out thin. I was sober, you know, and I, I started to build my life again. I got somewhere to live. I got a job. Um, and I've, I always, I, I always thought, because my whole life I've been dieting, I always thought that the solution is being thin. That's the solution, you know. The scale, the, uh, uh, the numbers on the scale, that's what, you know, that, that measures my, my well-being and uh, how, how good I'm going to feel. I always thought that. So, um, but it, it turned out that that uh, that wasn't. Uh, <laughs> that's not how it is. So, um, getting sober and all that was fantastic, but I still had this huge problem with food. And again, trying diets to maintain my weight. Uh, now that I had this huge weight loss. I started to gain again, and then I started to uh, purge, uh, and it was uh, it was it felt logic in my mind. It felt it felt perfectly sane because if you eat too much food, you just purge and you don't have to gain weight. I mean, that's it. That sounds very logical, you know. <laughs> so I started doing that, and you know, in the end of all this, I was just uh, I was just beaten. At last, I was beaten by by this disease, and I just uh, I was willing to do anything to just uh, get recovery, to get out of the food. So I I contacted somebody, and uh, you know I got a sponsor. This was in the beginning of 2019, and um, I thought that you know yeah I'd make my own food plan and I. I will attend a couple of meetings a week, you know, and, you know, I can work the steps in a few weeks or a few months, or I was taking this very, you know, easily, like, yeah. And uh, it turns out that, you know, food addiction is really, really, really hard. It takes a lot of work. Uh, and I learned that the hard way over and over again for a few months. So in the end of, May 2019, and I've been abstinent since uh, 20, 28th of May 2019. I was again uh, beaten. Then I was really beaten to a cult by the disease, and I was shocked <laughs> that you know that that it uh, it was so hard. So again, I jumped. This time I jumped two feet into the program. I got a sponsor. I worked through the steps really really quickly, and. Um, I learned to have a daily program. And like Audrey was talking about, you know, this one day at a time. Uh, when I came into OA, somebody told me that OA is like AA, but on steroids. <laughs> and that has been my truth as well, you know. Uh, I can't manage on a couple of meetings a week and, you know, doing a step 10 every few weeks or every few months you know or doing step 11 when i feel like it or when i have the time to do it or you know sponsor when it feels convenient and and you know and having one at a time to sponsor it doesn't work for me uh and like order said you know i'm the real deal i yeah i'm also the real deal i i really need to put in the effort i need to put in the work in in uh, in order to have uh, this recovery the amazing thing when I worked through the steps was that I really had like, I, I, I would even call it a spiritual experience. Um, just a couple of days uh, after I was through the steps, 
And I worked through step uh, five to 12 in uh, one afternoon and one, one, one evening. So I went very, very quickly. Uh, I just woke up and I felt, you know, uh, that something has really shifted. And what happened when I worked through the steps this time as well uh, was that going through uh, step five, uh, I just felt, you know, after my step five, going through step six and seven, I just felt, you know, love and forgiveness for all the people on my, on my inventory. I, I've, ne I've never felt that before. I've never experienced that before. And coming into step eight, I was, I was completely willing to do uh, all of my remaining amends, which was also a complete miracle. Um, so waking up this uh, two days after I was through the steps and, and feeling that something has shifted. I just, it's, it's similar to the, to, the, um, to the thing that Bill describes, you know, when he's calling in Dr. Silkworth to say like, if something has, you know, happened and, and I called an OA friend and said that something has happened. <laughs> I feel that something has happened. I felt, you know, I felt at ease. I felt calm. And, and uh, I wasn't thinking about food all the time. So, and this, this, uh, this always friend said, yeah, hope that, you know, that it sticks, that you do, that you, that you will keep this. And since that day, I have, uh, I've had this, uh, this, this feeling with me. Um, and uh, the day after that, I was lucky, you know, to get someone to sponsor. And I just jumped, uh, jumped into sponsoring, which has, you know, really, really saved my life. And today my life is just, it's an amazing life. Uh, you know, um, I live a very different life from before. I, uh, uh, I live in a small town now. I have, you know, a wonderful wife. I met my wife a few years ago uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, the love of my life and uh, two small, amazing kids. We, we live in a, in a small uh, uh, townhouse here. We, have a, we drive a Volvo <laughs> and it's, uh, it's a very simple life, but it's just a fantastic life. Uh, and I think that's what the program does for me as well. It's, uh, um, I, I've, I'm content, you know, I've never been content before. I'm always uh, thriving, going after the next thing or getting, you know, higher up on the top and, and, and things like that. Um, and uh, one day at a time, you know, um, my, my daily program is that I get up in the morning. I get up really, really early, Monday through Friday. And I, I get up at uh, 3.15 in the morning. I do one hour with God every morning. I do 30 minutes silent meditation because I really, really enjoy that. But it's taken me years to get there that I can sit in, in, uh, in, in silence for 30 minutes without guided meditation or anything. And I think that I, I tell my sponsees this as well, that if, if you don't like meditation, you shouldn't do it. You know, the important thing is that you spend time with God. They didn't have seen Buddhistic meditation when this, uh, when, when Big Book was published, they didn't do that, you know, so 
doesn't doesn't matter. Do something that you know matter. And and we have also the instructions in Big Book up on awakening and just use that. Um, so I do thirty minutes of uh, meditation. Then I do thirty minutes of reading. I love to read books, and I always try to read at uh, night, but. <laughs> <laughs> that it never worked out. I always fell asleep. So I, I learned in, in Norway, uh, I learned to schedule stuff. So I schedule my, my reading. I, I read um, a bunch of box, books every morning for 30 minutes. Um, and uh, then after that, I go to the gym Monday through Friday. Uh, and I've never done that in my life before as well. You know, I... I uh, I detested you know moving or going to the gym or you know I took taxi everywhere where I went. <laughs> I never moved an inch if I didn't have to. So it's been that that's all also very now I've done it for a few years. It's not new to me anymore, but you know, and that also helps me a lot. You know, I like doing that today. It's um I I have gotten into that as well, and um after that I go to my job. Uh, my wife is uh, is amazing that take care of the kids in the morning and I pick them up from daycare so I take them in the in the afternoon and evening and then I have my uh, abstinent breakfast at my work and I start working at eight o'clock so I, I have a, I have a lot of time on my hand in the mornings and I I learned this in I learned this in recovery as well you know to to make time where you, where you can and uh, during the day I use step 10 I have learned to do daily step 10s and do multiple step tens. I have a God squad. I have a bunch of people that I can call, and they do uh, they do step tens as well with me. And uh, I, I do it uh, really quickly. I used to, I do the inventory straight from you know step ten in in, in Big Book. I don't uh, if I don't need to. I don't do a step four inventory. I just go straight to selfish. Uh, selfishness, dishonesty, you know, resentment and fears. And it can be any situation. I do a stand, step 10, I call somebody, I ask God to remove it, and then I turn to somebody I can help, or, you know, I make an outreach after that. Um, and then step 12, which is, you know, the amazing grace in this program, that the thing that really saves my life every day, you know, one day at a time. And Chapter seven starts with, uh, or in the beginning, it says that uh, nothing so much ensures immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fails. It, it always works. And Bill talks about this in his story as well, you know, going um, very happy. He, he could be in, in, in a deep depression, feeling bad, you know, feeling sorry about himself and, and going to the hospital was always an uplift for him, you know, going to talk with alcoholics. And that's my, my experience as well. So when I sponsor people, I, I go through the steps with them very, very quickly. And we do the steps, eight chapters in Big Book in eight days. And on day nine, they are available sponsor because that is, is what's going to save their life. And my sponsees calls me every day. I call my sponsor every day. Right now, I'm sponsoring uh, five guys in a way that are calling me every day. And uh, uh, yeah, I also sponsor other programs. You know, I, I, have to be, I have to be active in all, in all the programs that I'm in. 
because uh, otherwise it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, even though I use Big Book in all three of them, it's uh, you know credits don't transfer. I have a free programs, I have free sponsors, <laughs> but though it's only no way that I call my sponsor every day. And OA has taught me so much. Um, OA really taught me to live one day at a time, just one day at a time. OA really taught me to have a daily program, to do these things daily on a daily basis. And it's not just about being abstinent, you know, that, that's, that's a byproduct of working the program. It's also how, you know, how, how, uh, how good do I want to feel or how, how, how do I want my life to look like if, uh, if I just dedicate myself in the service of others and, and uh, for in God's will, you know, uh, all these incredible things happen and I can live, like it says, happy, joyous and free, which I do, you know, one day at a time. And sometimes not, <laughs> and that's okay as well, you know. Uh, tonight, my uh, my wife was sick tonight, and uh, I had to sleep uh, with my two kids, and they were fighting the whole, the, you know, half of the night. <laughs> One was kicking the other in the head, and you know, and trying to take care of this while you're dead tired. <laughs> so you know, not always happy, joyous, and free, uh, but you know. That's also incredible, and it's incredible. It's just such a gift to 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 live this life. And I I, um, I also uh, Audrey Audrey talked about you know step eight and nine. It was so beautiful to hear you, Audrey. Uh, amazing stuff. And you know step eight and nine has been uh, has been such a healing for me as well. You know. Going back to the people that I thought, you know, destroyed my childhood and making amends to them. <laughs> I never thought I would do that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and uh, from my father getting, you know, beautiful amends back as well. Uh, but not from my stepmother. And she also, you know, I asked if is there anything more that I can, you know, make amends for. And she, she had more stuff as well. Uh, and I think a big book it says something like grid sharp teeth or something, you know, that put this uh, uh, teeth in like you have for horses. I was, I was, um, I hold, I, I was holding my both my hands under the table when she said that because uh, I always thought, I thought that, you know, 99% was were her fault and I was going to take, you know, care of my 1%, take care of my business fund of 1%. But going through that amend as well and not getting an amend back or, or anything like that, it was just, it didn't come straight, you know, straight away. But um, over a longer period of time, I just felt forgiveness and I felt, you know, unconditional love with her as well. And uh, a, a person that I thought hurt me so much in the past. Um, so going through, making amends to the people around me and making these hard amends and even, you know, going back to places where I worked before, paying back, paying back money for things I've stolen that they didn't know about and, and all these things. And it's taken me years to, to go through uh, my economic amends. Um, the other amends I, I did, I... 
I went through my list quite quickly and then, you know, um, and I had, uh, uh, I did that in the first time I did the steps, but uh, also when I, when I came here, uh, going through the steps again, looking at my list again, I could see that there was more. And there is always more, you know, my, my mind clears, you know, day one day at a time from all the shit that I have eaten, all the sugar I have put in this poor brain and body. So, you know, um, my, my step eight list is a, is a living list. I, 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 I remember stuff from, from longer back, uh, sometimes and I was like, oh man, oh no. I gotta do this. And even from, from high school, I called some people from high school uh, last summer and uh, uh, I felt really embarrassed, you know, doing that at first, but I felt like I need to do this a month. And, and I did, and uh, yeah, it was just great. And I connected with people. They were laughing at me, but that's fine. <laughs> you know, for the things that I thought that I had uh, done to them and that I had done to them. So, so it uh, step eight and nine has been a huge thing, uh, really, to, to, to make right with the people around me, to my friends, to my family, to all co-workers and to, you know, um, places where I have stolen and, and done things and just paying back the money. And in... In about two years, I'm, I'm finished with all my economic amends. I, I pay every month on my economic amends. I've done that for years. And I think that's the way to do it. Because if I if, if I was thinking like, yeah, I'm going to pay this back when I have all this money in a big bag of, it doesn't work, you know. It's, um, I just need to, you know, uh, ask them well and uh, come to a agreement with them. How much am I going to pay? And uh, that's what I've done. And I just... Uh, pay that every month um so yeah um this program has been a huge a huge thing uh, i really found the solution uh, in big book working the steps with a sponsor and you know doing this one day at a time. thank you and doing it one day at the time uh that's the thing uh so yeah thank you for letting me share my story today and uh thank you for being here and nice to see all of you and uh, it was great to hear you all and uh, yeah i uh i think i'm out of fuel there so i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna say pause Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Johan. It was just so great to hear you. And just, you brought us on the journey, you know, the journey of recovery. And, and what I heard was just the transformation, just the transformation in your life and, um, and how good life is today. And you're saying life has been life, but how you use your steps to live life. And, and just hearing your dedication to program and your dedication to your own recovery. Yeah, it's very powerful listening to you. So. Thanks a million, Johan. Um, so we're just going to stop the recording. And we are going to go over.